0: Alright, welcome to episode four of Orion's Wilderness Thoughts. I'm your host, Orion. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. So, today's episode, what I'm going to talk about with you is basically just duck hunting 101. We're not going to get real in-depth on anything, and we're just going to cover the basics of how to get started, what you need, different ways to get started, different methods of hunting, and then further on in another episode, I will go in-depth, or as in-depth as I can, over this media. On specific things all right. so with that let's just get into duck hunting 101 so how to get started right so the first thing is what do you need right so I've got this broken down into three categories and it's gonna be your first tier needs your second tier needs and your third tier needs so with that the first thing you need is a shotgun right no shotgun no ducks it's just the way it is. Now with that, you can, if you already have a shotgun, most likely you can already use what you have, right? So you don't necessarily have to go out and buy a specific duck gun. If you're just getting into duck hunting, you're not sure if you wanna get into duck hunting, you're not sure if you're gonna enjoy it, anything like that, there's no reason to go out and spend you know, $1,400 or more on top of the line, semi-automatic shotgun. Those are very nice to have, not needed. So with your shotgun, what you need to be aware of is shot capacity and if it's able to use steel, right? So these two are gonna kind of blend in together. So with with duck hunting, you can't use lead since sometime in the 80s, right? So lead is prohibited. So what that means is you have to use a non-toxic shot, right? And you really have three options for that. You have steel shot, Tungsten or Bismuth, right, so there's pros and cons to each of them, and uh, that goes into whether or not you want to use that specific style, right, but we're going to go back into shotguns with that. You can use your old, you know, break open, single shot shotgun for duck hunting. It's it's completely possible, right, even if it's an older gun. If it's an older gun, you just aren't going to want to use steel through it, so what you need to do is see when the manufacture date of your shotgun was. If it was after steel, it's most likely safe to use a steel shot through it. If it was before steel was implemented, it may not be safe to use steel through it. That's the easiest way to go about it without getting into a ton of research, and it's going to come down to your specific gun. All right. Now with that, your choke is also going to depend on what non-toxic ammo you're using. Okay. So if you're using steel, what you need to remember is that steel does not... Condense down. It's not a soft material like lead So with lead you might use like a full choke or improved modified something along that line maybe extra full with lead For for birds, right? Well, you can't do that with steel. It's it's not a good idea, right? The steel does not Conform it doesn't condense It's not a good idea, right if you're going to use steel generally you want to use a modified or improved choke, right? Because since it doesn't condense down, it's still gonna maintain that tight pattern with your factory standard choke. There's plenty of other chokes out there. There's Pattern Master, which does a wad stripping. There's all kinds of stuff, right? However, that's not necessarily the case if you're using a bismuth. So if you decide, hey, I wanna go the bismuth route because I have an older gun, or I just want a higher density shot as opposed to steel, which is much lighter than lead, bismuth is kind of in the middle and then tungsten is going to be heavier than lead right so you got to weigh all those out of what do i want to use and the honestly the biggest way thing that's going to come into play is going to be the price so steel shot is pretty cheap right i'm not saying that it's as cheap as lead it's not but you can get you know like winchester x or like off-the-shelf ammo for a reasonable price that you would pay for a quality lead shot, like $12, $13 a box. You can go all the way up to like $20, $30 a box on steel as well. That's up to you. What you need to do is buy a bunch of them, pattern your gun, see what shoots best for you, what's reliable in your gun, and go from there, all right? So, shotguns that most people would use for duck hunting are gonna be something that can hold three rounds. You gotta plug your gun a federal migratory bird, so you're going to have to have a fixed plug that can't be easily removed so you can have no more than three shots in your shotgun, right? So the the norm is either a pump or a semi-automatic. That's what the average person uses. Outside of that, you can. there's no reason you can't use a over-under or a side-by-side, especially if you have those already and they're capable of shooting steel, then go for it. If they're not capable of stealing shooting shield and you're like, hey, I don't think I want to go out and just buy specifically a special shotgun for duck hunting at this time because I'm not sure if I want to get into duck hunting, I'm not sure if I want to invest that much money, or maybe you only go duck hunting on the opening day and then you move on to deer or you move on to whatever, right? If that's the case, then maybe going the bismuth route might be the best bet for you. But what that's going to come down to is going to be pricing, research, personal preference, all right, so shotguns covered, Non-toxic ammo is a must. If you don't have it and you get caught by game warden, you're going to get busted. It's going to be a bad day. Just don't do it. It's illegal. Get the non-toxic shells, all right? Next thing you're going to need is waders. Maybe if you're hunting, like, down south in the early wood duck or teal season, depending on what your state has, yeah, you in September, maybe you don't need waders, right? Maybe you want to go wet wading and you're like, it's 90 degrees outside. There's absolutely no reason for me to wear waders. Sure. Got it. But let's just assume that you're not talking about that 15-day or 7-day early season and you're you're going with the main primary season when your state is probably cold, there's potential for ice on the water, right? Don't really need to go into too much detail on why you need waders in the water when you're talking about sub-50 degrees, sub-freezing water. Now with that, you don't need special waders. So if you already have a pair of waders because you fly fish, or you fish, or you trap, or whatever the case is, and that's the reason why you have waders, use them. all right. You don't need to go out and buy specific waders, unless your waders are blaze orange, which I've never seen, so probably not the case. Just use what you got. right? When you're starting out, I was gonna say this quite a few times, but use what you have. There's no reason to spend money on things until you know that you wanna upgrade, or you know it's something you're into right now there's two big camps for waders that you need to look into if you need to go out and buy a pair of waders okay so you are gonna have like insulated neoprene well there's three so I misspoke there's three so you're gonna have insulated neoprene you're gonna have PVC waders and you're gonna have breathable waders so your PVC waders are probably gonna be the cheapest they're pretty uncomfortable they sweat like hell you they don't breathe it's don't recommend them um, neoprene waders are what most people use breathable are becoming more and more popular, but neoprene waders, you can usually get a good pair for about $150 onward. Now, good's relative. I'm sure there's someone who's going to say that's not true. You need a $300 pair of banded waders or whatever brand. It's not a, a stab or a slight at anyone, but you can get waders for a decent price that are neoprene. Now, when you're talking about breathable waders, so I hunt in breathable waders. I used to hunt in neoprene waders. I highly recommend that you go the breathable route. If it's something you're interested in and you know that you're gonna do it from September until end of December, end of January, go with breathable, non-insulated waders. And the reason behind this is you can wear them in 90 degrees and be mildly comfortable, and you can wear them with the proper base layers and the proper clothing when it's sub-freezing and be mildly comfortable as opposed to breathable waders which are hard to walk in, if, you, if you're if you walking any distance other than getting out of the boat and going into your blind, if, if you're a public land guy and you've got to walk through the marsh or hike a mile in or whatever the case is, neoprene non-breathable waders are just a nightmare, you can't walk well in them, your mobility is crap, they don't breathe, you're going to be sweaty by the time you get there and your day's just going to start off miserable so you either sweat to death on the way in or freeze on the way in because you're barely wearing any clothes and then you gotta pile on all your upper body layers when you get to your blind sight or to your hide, right? Like I said, if you're just getting into it and you're not sure, maybe you wanna go for one season, you wanna pick up a pair of neoprene waders or you wanna pick up a pair of PVC waders because you're not sure, go for it, totally understand, that's what I did, um, but once you figure out, hey, this is all I want, invest in a quality pair of breathable waders. So I personally use lacrosse waders. There's plenty of other ones out there. Do your research. Find them on sale when they go on sale, especially after the season's over, and that's the best time to stock up for next season. All right? Now arguably the most important one on here, it's gonna be your hunting license. This should go without saying, but you're gonna need a hunting license, you're gonna need your HIT permit, a federal migratory bird stamp, some of them are state, I got it, and then a federal waterfowl stamp. Those are what you're gonna need, at a minimum, to hunt waterfowl in your area. But the best bet is to refer to your state regs, right? If you're not sure where to start, if you're not sure what's legal, don't go off of podcasts, don't go off of YouTube videos. Dig into the regulations. It's very clearly stated what's allowed, what's not allowed. Always make sure that you know your regs because the last thing you wanna do is something illegal and get hit with a fine, or worse, lose your hunting privileges, right? A good, safe bet is if you hunt multiple states, or even if you just hunt one state, is cut out, print out, and a laminate or a Ziploc bag, the limits, right? So ducks are kind of strange, depending on the flyway you're at, I got it, so I've only hunted the Atlantic Flyway and some of the Mississippi Flyway, but with ducks, it's not six ducks, right? So Atlantic Flyway, for example, you can shoot six ducks, but it doesn't mean you can shoot six of any duck, right? So you can shoot two mallards, can be female, two can be male. Um, you can only shoot, in Pennsylvania, one bluebill. But in the late season, you can shoot two bluebills. And how many canvas backs can you shoot? And how many ringnecks can you shoot? Can I shoot six buffleheads? I'm not sure, right? So if you have printed off the states and the seasons, bag limits, you're good to go. And that way, hey, you know, oh man, was I only allowed to shoot one black duck or two black ducks? Well, I shot one, let me double check. You look, okay, I can shoot two more, I can shoot one more black duck. And that way you know, hey, I'm legal, I'm good, everything's all right. Now you should have a general idea ahead of time. You shouldn't be pulling this thing out every time a flight of birds comes in, just like you shouldn't be pulling out a duck identification guide when you shoot a duck or when they're flying in, right? So learn what the ducks look like, learn what the ducks sound like, learn what your bag limits are, make sure you have your license and properly display it however your state says you have to do it. And the final thing and what I would consider your tier one requirements are gonna be base layers and outer layers. My personal recommendation for base layers is merino wool, right, synthetics are great. They end up smelling horrible by the end of the day. If they get wet, usually they're worthless. Um, If you need to use them multiple days back to back, they either are worthless or they just slowly lose their ability to keep you warm and maintain heat. So I like wool because inevitably you will fall in the water, whether it's on the way in or on the way out or middle of a hunt, and the last thing you want to do is have to go back to your car and call it a day because you got a little bit of water in your waders or you got a little bit of water on your chest and it's just too cold. With the Moreno wool, it still maintains heat when you're wet. I'm not saying you get submerged that you keep hunting but you're not, gonna, you're not in too big of a worry walking back to your car as you would be with like synthetic materials. Stay away from cotton, don't wear anything cotton, and I recommend Moreno wool. It's expensive, it's worthwhile, find it on sale. Now when it comes to your outer layers, highly recommend you get quality, water-resistant clothes, because duck season is usually crappy weather, We're looking at snow, we're looking at rain, we're looking at sleet, we're looking at frozen rain, fog, mist, in some capacity on some day you go hunting, it's going to get, you're gonna get wet from the air, not necessarily falling in. If you don't have any wet weather clothes, I got it, but this is one where I would recommend if you're gonna go out and try it out for a season, get good wet weather clothes, right? And to start, you don't have to go crazy with it, or you can just watch the weather, but eventually you're gonna need quality outer clothes that protects you from the elements. All right, now with that, another thing is don't wear a giant puffy jacket, wear a bunch of layers, right? That's just general cold weather advice. So don't rely on one big jacket because you're gonna be there when it's dark and you're gonna leave when the sun's out. So the temperature, depending on where you're at, could go from 15 degrees to 40 degrees, and that one jacket isn't gonna be enough at one point of the day or another point of the day. It's not hard to take off a layer or two or add a layer or two, all right? All right, so second tier items that you need, decoys. Yep, I think this is a second tier. You don't necessarily need them, right? You can kill ducks without decoys. If you've spotted, if you've scouted out the X, you know where the ducks wanna be, you can kill ducks without decoys. If you're pass shooting and you know where the ducks are flying from point A to point B, you can kill ducks without decoys. If you're jump shooting or float shooting, you can kill ducks without decoys. I've done it. So, decoys. When you're first starting out, even as a solo hunter, especially as a solo hunter, you don't need to go out and buy six dozen decoys, all right? So when you're just starting out, buy a dozen mallards, and go from there all right you can get a you can get a dozen mallards for relatively cheap if you look for sales you can find them for under fifty dollars for a dozen sometimes if not you're looking at a hundred dollars or less for them now another thing you have to consider with the price is if you're if you're on a budget you have to remember there is rigging required right you, you can't just throw decoys out in the water they'll float away especially if there's any kind of current any kind of wind the things you want going to float your decoys away so you need some kind of rigging device and there's multiple ways you can do this you can get texas rigs for them which are the best way to go i personally use um, lifetime decoys tangle free rigs right Um, but there's plenty of texas style rigs out there you can do it yourself you can use like 550 cord and weights or whatever the case is to rig them up just remember if you're hunting and you're walking in you got to carry everything on your back so you need to be aware of that. So that's why if you're a solo hunter, maybe six dozen, maybe six decoys to 18 decoys is what you want to do um, because you're either carrying them in a backpack or you're carrying them on their tether that they're Texas rigged to, whatever the case is. Now with that, what you need to do with those decoys is make sure that they are a species that you can target, right? So you don't want to go out there with some sea duck decoys or like, some diver decoys if you're gonna be hunting nothing but puddles and marshes and small water where diver ducks don't show up or where sea ducks don't show up. it Could it work? Absolutely. You never know, right? People kill them over milk jugs. Know what you're going for. If you're walking into the spots and you're hunting marshes or you're hunting areas that you don't need a boat, more than likely you're looking at puddle ducks. My recommendation would just be get a dozen mallards. You're probably gonna get like eight drakes, four hens, and use them. That's all you need to start. As you go on, you'll add more. Trust me, you'll add more as you go on, and you'll get more specific, and you'll get different poses, and you'll get butt up decoys, and goose decoys, and diver decoys. Eventually, yeah, you'll probably need these, but to start, not necessarily. Alright? So, I think I beat that into the ground. Just go and get them. The first set of decoys I bought, I went to Dick Sporting Goods, and I think for th- I got, it was either six or 12 hardcore decoy brand mallards, and I killed ducks over them. I still use them. They're a little on the smaller side. They're all in the same position. They're not flocked heads, nothing along that lines, but they kill ducks and they work and they're going to be cheap and inexpensive so that if you decide, hey, this isn't for me, you're not out too much money, all right? The next thing I would say you need is a jerk rig. If you don't have motion, can you kill ducks? You can. Are you gonna be consistently successful? Probably not. You need motion, you don't want a sheet of glass. So get a jerk rig, you're looking at about $39.99 at any store, whether that's gonna be like a rig right that's the brand I use, is a rig right um, jerk rig. I've used Academy's jerk rigs, I've used Cabela's jerk rigs, they all work for the most part, it just depends on what you wanna do, right? All that essentially is is some elastic, an anchor, some clips, and you pull on it, and it brings the ducks towards you, you let it go, and it shoots them back like you would with like a rubber band. What that does is it causes some motion. It's not realistic looking, so you don't want to pull on it when ducks are flying overhead and staring at your decoy spread. But it's going to cause other, your other decoys to move from that those ripples in the water, It's gonna break up that glass effect and it's gonna add some life to your decoy spread. Next thing I would say is, hey, you wanna get some calls, right? Now, just having calls isn't enough. You've gotta learn how to do your, you gotta learn how to make those duck calls and those goose calls, right? But just start off with a simple Mallard call. You don't have to start off with like a custom made call or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with going to Walmart or Cabela's or Academy or Dick's Sporting Goods or any of these places and grabbing a decent, duck call off the the wall and grabbing it, right? Again, you don't want to spend a ton of money if you're not sure if this is something you want to do, right? So there's nothing wrong with grabbing a duck dynasty call or grabbing like a buck gardener call or anything along those lines. It's more going to depend on you learning how to make a call. People kill over a 999 buck gardener call and a 999 duck dynasty call all the time, right? So grab that, get on YouTube, learn how to call ducks learn how to make a simple quack, learn how to make a feeding chuckle, and learn how to do a comeback call, and you're going to be all right. You're going to be like eight-tenths of the puzzle complete. Same thing with a goose call. Buy a goose call, learn how to make some honks, and you'll be cooking with grease at that point. Everything else will just be an improvement, and you want to just keep working on it. Treat it like a musical instrument. The more you use it, the better you get, the better you sound, the more Realistic heel beads, the more it'll sound good to the ducks, the better success you'll have with your call, all right? And what i say the second or the last thing on here would be is going to be you want to get a good set of binoculars or a spotting scope. Spotting scope is nice. I don't use one, but a spotting scope is nice because you can really see out there. You've got a great field of view, and you can really push out your scouting ability. The downside is it's not as mobile, and it's not something you want to carry around in, like, your blind bag, all right? So what I would recommend is getting a set of 10 by 50 or 10 by 42 or more if you want but uh, that's the minimum I would go with binoculars and the reason you want this is so you can scout. This is not to identify birds the day out when you're hunting. This is the day prior or a couple days prior whenever you can scout so that you can get out there and cover as much water as possible and identify ducks. Right? Just because you see something on the water maybe it's not something you can hunt. Maybe it's not an area where you can go and you want to see, hey, what birds are there? What decoys do I need to bring? How many are there? What are they doing? What's the exact spot? Um, I don't want to paddle around the whole lake, so you take your binos out, you scan the area of water, you find ducks or you don't find ducks, and you move on to the next place. So binos are absolutely necessary. You don't need them to kill ducks, but you need them to kill more ducks, all right? So then we're going to go into our third tier, and basically this is unlimited. This is where it gets ridiculous and this is where you start spending a ton of money. So this is gonna be blinds. Do you need a blind to kill ducks? No. And yes, all right? So it's gonna depend, where are you? Are you in a marsh and you can hide in the brush or hide in the, the cattails and in the reeds? Yeah, you might not need a blind there. Are you on the shoreline where you can naturally set up in a bush or in the tree line or use fallen down trees? and fallen branches and make yourself a blind? Sure, right, that's how I usually do it. Or are you on the edge of a drought ridden lake or a pond or wherever and there's no way to hide? At this point you need a layout blind or an A-frame blind or a tangle free panel blind or a quick stripe blind, something to conceal yourself, right? This is where your spinning wing decoys come into play. Do you need spinning wing decoys to kill ducks? No. Are they nice to have? Sometimes. Do I use them every time I hunt? No. Do I see myself kill more ducks or less ducks with them? I'm not sure. Do I have it? Yes. Am I glad I have it? Yes. Do I take it out with me every time I hunt? Almost. All right? And this is these can cost a lot of money. These can be anywhere from like $39 where you take out like um, a Mojo Voodoo Dove or Voodoo Teal and you get a small spinning wing out there or maybe you're going to go with like the Mojo baby size ones, or the King Mojo, or the Lucky Duck, whatever your brand is doesn't matter. It's just how much money are you gonna drop in it, how many of them do you want, how much batteries do you need for them, are you walking in, or are you boating in, are you kayaking in, because you gotta remember, you gotta carry them in and out, and that includes their wings, their body, the rigging poles, the batteries, potentially a remote, so if you're walking in, is that weight worthwhile or is it not worthwhile could i take more decoys or should i not take more decoys this is where watercraft comes into play are you going to buy a boat are you going to use a canoe a kayak what, how are you getting there where are you hunting right you don't need these things but they're really nice to have a dog comes into play here that's not a uh, cheap thing to do that's a that is definitely an investment both money-wise and time-wise right but you don't need it you don't need a dog okay but they're nice to have and this list goes on forever right this goes into everything this your third tier is literally what your bank account what your spouse will let you do and storage and all of that right this is where coming into like having like a hundred different kinds of decoys come into play and goose decoys and diver decoys and different species of puddle ducks and different poses and multiple calls and, you know, motion ducks and all this other stuff comes into play. Not necessary, nice to have, up to you. But on the bottom of the list, because it is a money hole and you don't need it to start off, all right? So there's really four different styles of waterfowl or subgroups, right? So what most people think of when they're not really sure is you're looking at puddle ducks, all right. So puddle ducks include like mallards, teal, wigeon, gadwalls, wood ducks. Essentially, these are the ducks you see at like the park for the most part. They feed shallow. They mostly feed on aquatic vegetation or other vegetation. They're what most people think of when they say ducks. They're called puddle ducks because they will land in puddles. They walk around a lot. It's traditional small water, some big water, but small water duck hunting, all right? The next group is going to be diver ducks, and this will include your bluebills, your ringnecks, your canvas backs, your redheads. And they dive for their food, typically six plus feet, and they dive down, and they eat primarily aquatic vegetation, invertebrates, snails, mussels, sometimes fish, depending on the species and they're, you're usually looking at bigger water, open water, deeper water for these guys, all right? And we'll talk about them more in depth later. You've got sea ducks, which I have zero experience with, and like the name implies, they're out on the ocean, out on big water. You can kill them on, di- on diver duck hunts, um, and you can kill them away from the ocean. So last year I killed a common female, I killed a hen, common scoter. 160 miles away from the ocean on a decent sized lake. So it's possible, not as likely, right? And then you've got geese, all right? You have your dark geese, you have your light geese. At the end of there, your geese. Most people hunt them over fields. You can kill them over water, but uh, the average person field hunts them standing corn, crops, winter, winter uh, wheat, stuff like that. So now, if you're getting into duck hunting, there's really three ways to get into it. Um, it's gonna be solo, with friends, or guided. So I'm actually gonna talk about that in reverse and I'm gonna go into the pros and cons of each. So with that, we're gonna start with guided hunts. So what are the pros of guided hunts? So one of the best things about guided hunts is you don't need anything but a license, depending on the outfitter. So I wanna put that caveat there. Depending on the outfitter, they might have everything for you Besides your base layers and your license, they may have waders and ammo and guns. They're going to have the decoys and the blinds. They're going to have everything you need, right? Depending on the feed, depending on the place. So, the good thing about it is you can go on a guided hunt or two and decide, hey, am I into this? Like, do I want to wake up at whatever time in the morning and go stand in the cold and shoot birds, or maybe not shoot any birds, or even see any birds, right? So personal experience, my first year, I did two or three guided duck hunts, and that's what got me hooked. So if it wasn't for doing the guided duck hunts, I'm not sure if I would duck hunt at all. Another good thing about the guided hunts is you're working with professionals, right? This is what they do for a living, either full-time or part-time. So a good thing about that is you can ask them questions. Why is your decoy spread set up this way? Why do you have the blind positioned here? What kind of ducks are those that are flying? Why do you use that call? How do you call? Um, What guns do you recommend? What ammo do you recommend? Are there brands that you've seen that are good and brands you've seen are bad? You can ask them all the questions you want and most likely they're gonna answer them to get you into the sport, to make you a returning customer and that can really bridge your knowledge gap and help you uh, moving forward. Another good thing about those guided hunts is, potentially, you have a higher success rate, especially if you have if you're doing these solo and you don't know what you're doing. Um, those guided hunts, they've usually been doing it year in year out. They're putting in the miles, scouting. Historically, they kill birds in the area. They know what their state and their local area is like. They know what their flyway is like, and you're probably going to kill birds and see birds with a guide, as opposed to doing it on your own where maybe you won't see any birds or everything goes wrong. So it's a really good opportunity to put birds in the freezer and to drop birds and maybe, and drop birds. So um, another good thing about that is most of the work is gonna be done for you. Pulling the trigger's on you, having a proper shot is on you, but they're putting the decoy spread out. They built the blind. They're driving you out to the blind, whether that's in an ATV, in their boat, or whatever the case is, right? They're doing the scouting. They're putting the miles on their truck. You just show up and go out and hunt. Another thing is it's the experience behind that guided hunt, the lodging you're at, the food provided, doing it with a group of friends, using it as a time to like reunite with people or go on a hunt with your parents or your dad or your friends from high school or whatever the case is, right? Um, they've got dogs. What kind of dog are they working? This is a good opportunity to see, hey, do I want a lab? Are they using a poodle? Are they using a versatile dog? What are they using Using, and do you like how the dog is? It's also a good way to see if you don't like the dog or hey why, why does your dog keep breaking? How do you train it? Who trains your dog, right? And then the location So this is a good way if you're if all you do is hunt the Atlantic flyway go on a guided trip to do things that you can't normally do fly down and or drive down and go do a flooded timber hunt, or go hunt in Arkansas over a flooded rice field, or go out to West Tennessee and hunt real foot, or go out to Kansas or the the plains and hunt potholes and hunt geese or snow geese. Whatever the case is, it's something you can do that's different than you normally do at home. So it's a good way to knock off certain species um, if you're trying to knock off certain ways to hunt, it's just a good way to change the experience and do something different that you may never get to do again, right? Expense, so this is a pro and a con, right? Guided hunts can be very expensive. You're talking about airfare, or you're gas driving out there, tip for the guides, uh, what is the base lodging price, like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and it can be very expensive. So you've gotta weigh whether or not you feel that the expense is worthwhile. Now, the potential though is that a guided hunt can actually be cheaper for you. And I know that sounds a little weird, but if you only hunt once or twice a year for ducks, you're extremely busy, or you're a big bow hunter, or whatever the case is, it can potentially be cheaper for you to go on like one guided hunt a year than having to invest in your own dog, your own decoys, your own boat, your own truck, your own guns, whatever the case is, it could potentially be cheaper in the long run for everything, right? So it's just something you need to look at. And then the cons, so the cost, right? This can be a lot of money depending on where you go, the quality of the guide, how reputable the guide service is. If they're a big name out there, you're probably paying more. If they're dirt cheap, well that's a cost too because maybe they're trash. So you gotta do a lot of research. It's a lot of money to invest in. You might only be able to do it every couple years or once a year or whatever the case is, right? Expectations, so when you go on a guided hunt, you expect to have tons of birds in your face, just mallards everywhere, or whatever the species you're going after everywhere, and you can get skunked on a guided hunt, it's a hunt after all, right? So you gotta limit your expectations to, hey, we might not even see a bird today, and that's okay, because it's hunting, and I'm still paying full price for this, right? Now, that shouldn't necessarily happen if you've done your homework, and you're going at the right time of year, and you've coordinated with your guide, and they're quality guide service. But it's still potential happen. It's happened to me before. It is what it is, right? Another thing is the research. You you've got to invest time in it, unless you're going for one of these really big name brands or somewhere you heard off of a podcast. But some of those you might have to get on the wait list two three years out in advance. So it's not a thing where you can just be like, oh hey, I want to go duck hunting next week. I'm gonna to go to Habitat Flats, right? It's not happening. So you've got to do your research, find quality guides, find when they're available, and make sure that works for you, right? So then comes the travel. How are you getting there? Are you flying? Okay, well what about ammo? How are you getting ammo there? Because there's only so much ammo you can take on a flight. What about your gun? What about all your equipment? Are you going to have to pay for five bags? Are you driving out there? How long is that going to take you? How much money is that going to be invested? How many? Do you have two cars so your spouse or whatever has an extra one? Can you leave work for a week, two weeks, whatever the case is for this hunt, right? So you've got to be aware that the travel and the travel dates all come into play. Then there's a sense of accomplishment. This one's going to be very highly opinionated, but when when someone does all the work for you, it's not going to feel as great. Yep, you shot your limit. Maybe you don't care. But for me personally, there's a sense of accomplishment in knowing that I went out, I scouted, I set up the decoys, I did the work, and everything came together. And because of my luck, my ability, and my persistence, I was able to bag some ducks. Maybe that's not the case for you. If that it's not, cool. Not talking down on guides because they're they're great, and guides specifically are hardworking people. Then there's the work ethic. Are they willing to put in as much work as you would be willing to put in? So I went on a snow goose hunt um, about three years ago and didn't have an issue with the guides personally, but I don't think that they worked as hard as I did. We saw the geese where they were landing. They didn't want to pick up all the stuff and move the X even though they had permission there. So we sat in the same place all day and hoped the birds would come by. Killed a couple, but we probably could have killed way more if we would have moved. But there was that work ethic there. Um, And then there's disagreements. Maybe they don't call shots when you want to call the shots, right? Maybe they want to wait for one more swing or they want those ducks with their feet down in your face but it's not just going to happen so you've got to take the pass shots, right? So there are cons to that and it can be very frustrating. I've been on, I've been on guided hunts before where I was the one that was seeing the birds and I was telling the guy that birds were coming and that I had to be like, hey, can you call? There's birds in the area but they were not seeing birds, so they sat down and for 15 minutes they were hiding in the blind, right? It's not cool, it's really frustrating, and if it wasn't through an outreach program, I I would've lost my mind, basically. That's a down and dirty on guides, all right? So the next group is friends, and this one you can read between the lines on some stuff and then you have to realize that this is gonna be based off of how your friends are. Right? Are they already duck hunters or are they not duck hunters? Because getting into it with your friends can be all of you have no experience and you're gonna to pull together to get decoys and get equipment and I'll share part of the load, you'll share part of the load. Or are your friends duck hunters and you wanna branch out into duck hunting and they've already got everything. So there's a very wide spectrum here and you've got to figure it out. You know what your friends do, you know who they are. right? So we're just gonna go into the pros. And this pro works for both ways, splitting the gear, all right? If your friends aren't willing to split the gear, they're not your friends, okay? So this is the case of, hey, I've got six, I've got 12 decoys. How many decoys do you have? Oh, well, he's got 12 decoys and your other friend has 12 decoys. Well, now you have 36 decoys. You got a decent spread out there. You're splitting the workload. But this can also be, hey, man, I got six dozen decoys. You've got the boat you are gonna be the guy that calls and you you bring everything together. So it doesn't have to be a 50-50 split or an even percentage split. It can just depend. When I was down in Tennessee with my buddies, I had the majority of the decoys, but my buddy had the boat. We couldn't get to the blind without his boat. So whose stuff was more important? I don't know. Probably wouldn't have killed the birds without the decoys, but we would have never got to the blind without the boat. So it's just one way to look at it, all right? There is a cost savings here, and the reason is because of the above subject. So the cost savings comes into splitting the gear. If I don't have to buy six dozen decoys because I have two other friends at Duck Hunt, well, I'm saving a ton of money because they're bringing them, right? Um, And this goes for all kinds of stuff. Maybe you don't need a call because you don't have the time to practice calls, you suck at calling, whatever the case is, that's cool. You don't buy calls, Maybe you bring breakfast for the crew, right? Multiple set of eyes. So a multiple set of eyes comes into play and this comes into play with scouting. So if you're by yourself, you've got to burn a ton of gas to find birds, right? Unless you just get lucky. But with scouting, you can section it off. Hey man, I'll cover this part of the state or the county or whatever the case is. You go over here and you go over there and then come together and talk about what you saw, how many birds there were, what the deal was, phone call, text, whatever the case is, which you can cover three or times the ground or more, right? Just depending on how many friends you have and what the case is. Another thing is just seeing the birds. If you're by yourself, you only have one set of eyes, but if I can look straight, my buddy can look to the left and the other one can look right, or maybe the sun angle, or they've got better eyesight, or whatever the case is, Less birds come at you surprised, and you miss less birds coming at you guys. So when you're alone, you might be looking to the left and the birds come from the right, and it's too late by the time they fly by. But if you've got multiple set of eyes, it's not usually the case, all right? And with that, you gotta trust your buddies, right? Hunt with them a couple times, and you'll know, hey, when he sees a bird, he sees the bird, and we all know it's good. The other thing is finding down birds. If you don't have a retriever, you're the retriever. And sometimes birds fall into some hard places so if you got a a second set of eyes or third set of eyes and you're like hey i saw the bird fall over in that marsh patch over there let's walk over to it we can cover a lot more ground we got a lot more eyes you usually recover more birds which is a good thing because the less birds you lose in the field the better another good thing about them is they can teach you hey i know how to duck call i'll teach you while we're driving the truck to the boat ramp or here, I can teach you how to set up decoys, or how to rig decoys, or why I do things the way I do, and that way you got someone to teach you how to actually duck hunt instead of you having to go through a million YouTube videos, or trial and error, right? You've got someone out there who can walk you through how to set up decoys, or how to build a blind, or um, what equipment to buy, or how to cover your face, or things not to do, bad habits. Another good thing is you're just out with your buddies. Right, you're not standing in the marsh alone. You got people to talk to. You're having a good time, and you're just out with your friends. Right, beats going to the bar and drinking beer. And another, the last one, probably the most important one, is it's just safe. If you get hurt, you fall, and you get cold, you break a leg, whatever the case is, you've got somebody there to help you out. And the safety is going to be the number one thing. There's always another person there for you. Now, some of the cons are they might not hunt as hard as you. Maybe they're fair weather hunters and when the ducks are coming in heavy, they want to be there. But if you know, hey, ma'am, you might only see two or three ducks, they're not going to show up. Maybe they sit down in the blind and stare at their phone when there aren't ducks flying. Maybe they're not willing to sit all day. Maybe they're not willing to go back to back and hunt the season hard because you only got 60 days. It is what it is, right? Not everyone's as committed. Not everyone has the same time requirements. Not everyone's family situation's the same. It's just something you got to take into consideration that maybe you're willing to go out all day and afterwards put in the mile scouting and just burn through fuel and burn through the days but maybe they're only willing to do three four hours maybe they're not willing to get to the blind two hours three hours before sunrise maybe you're getting there at the break of dawn and you got to scramble to get the decoy set up it just is what it is with that one you just got to figure it out and adjust accordingly time limits you've got the day off they've got the morning off or just the afternoon off, you gotta play it by ear. Are you willing to only go in the afternoon because that's all they have? Are you gonna have them meet you out there and then potentially you stay out even though you've already shot your limit because you went in the morning? So you gotta work those time limits out and you gotta figure them out ahead of time. If they're really your friends, it's not gonna be hard to do because they understand your life, you should understand their life, right? This is a little different when it comes into just random people you met on like Instagram or Facebook or through a hunting group, right? Those are gonna be a little harder. But when they're actually your friends, it's not a big deal. You work it out or you go by yourself, all right? Another thing is spouses. Does their spouse let them do what they need to do? Maybe they're committed, maybe they're a hardcore hunter, but their spouse is bothering them. Or it's her or his day off from work and they're refusing to let your buddy go. And so you show up to the house at like three in the morning and they're like, hey, dude, I, I, I can't go today. Well, why not? We planned this yesterday. Well, my wife. Okay, got it, right? It happens. Get used to it, figure it out, whatever the deal is. It's just something you gotta deal with is people's spouses and personal life, right? Um, not contributing. So this kind of comes into the splitting the gear. They might be a freeloader. Maybe they don't have any decoys. They don't know how to call. They don't have the boat. They just show up and sit in the blind and use you like a guide service. That's not cool. If it's once or twice a year and it's the only time you guys can get together, it's not a big deal. But if you're hunting every Saturday, every day off together, and they're not contributing the gas money, they're not helping scout, they're not bringing decoys, they're not calling for ducks, you're just their guide service. So pay attention to that. Know your worth. Disagreeing on how to hunt. If you're good friends, this isn't too big of a deal because you'll talk through it but it does happen. So this can come into play with scouting. Hey, I saw ducks over here. You saw ducks over there. What I found was better than what you found. Okay. Um, or it could just come into location. You both scouted ducks, you know where they're at, but you want to hunt on one side of the lake and they want to hunt on the other side. Maybe they suck at calling or you suck at calling and, or they don't call at all. And so their calling is actually making all the calls worse, right? Maybe they don't. Maybe they call the shots too early or too late or don't call them at the right time or they call them selfishly because they know that the birds are going to swing and that he's going to have the best shot at this time so I'm going to call the shot when I have the best chance to get some ducks. right? Maybe they're selfish on that. Maybe they choose a specific area of the blind because they know this is where the ducks always come. Um, I know you're a left-handed shooter but I'm going to make you go on to the right side of the blind even though that's not the best for you or whatever the case is. right? Find better friends at the end of the day. The other one's flaking. Hey, you guys are committed, you were you're gonna do this for two weeks, and then the day of, you're getting ready to wake up in the morning, you text your buddy, hey man, I'm on my way, and they go, I'm not going, I'm, I'm staying asleep. Okay, great, that would've been good to know before I was on the road, because I have half my decoys, half my, like I didn't bring everything I needed to. So now I either have to go back to the house, or I gotta use what I got. Again, if your friends keep flaking on you, get better friends. Alright, so solo, so this is how I do most of my hunting. Not that I necessarily prefer to unprefer it. The biggest pro is you can do it your way, whether that's the right way or not. You can do it your way, and the only person you have to blame is you. So there's that. Uh, you have the exact gear you want. You bring the decoys you want. You're gonna sp- put the decoys where you need them. You're gonna call the way you want to. You're gonna b- you're gonna have the blind that you want. Um, there's no compromises there. All right. Now, flexibility comes into play here, too. If you're by yourself and you only got 12 decoys and you see the ducks landing 300 yards to your right, okay, it's just you. It's super easy to pick up your 12 decoys, move, set up a new site, and start killing birds, right? Also, you can go when you wanna go. Like, hey, I'm gonna go hunt the afternoon because I want to. Or, I'm gonna stay out here until I feel like leaving. Right? There's nobody else. You don't have to worry about their timeline. You don't have to worry about their commitments. You don't have to worry about where they drove from, whatever the case is. Um, and then location. You can go where you want to go. You can hike as far as you need to hike into the woods or through the lake or paddle as far as you need to. Take the boat as long as you need to. It's real easy when you're by yourself. Some of the cons are scouting. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work when you're solo trying to scout. You just can't cover all the water. You gotta hit areas that you know are high producing and hope they work, or spend multiple days scouting per hunt. It's just the way it is, and you burn through a ton of gas. Safety, if something happens to you, people should know where you're at, but there's nobody there to help you out. If, if you go over your waders, if you slip in the river, if you capsize your boat, it's on you, there's no one there to help you out. Cost comes into play on cons, everything's on you. So you have to own everything, or you just you can't get it done. Uh, the amount of gear usable, if you own 100 duck decoys, you're probably not setting them all up by yourself, so especially if you're walking. right? Three guys walking into a marsh a mile, no big deal to each have 12 decoys on their back. If you're doing it by yourself, having 36 decoys on your back plus all your other gear is pretty rough. Boredom, there's nobody to talk to, so what ends up happening is you either stare at your phone. on Instagram or play a game or something like that and you miss ducks. I promise you it'll happen and you'll be really mad every time it happens. Missed birds and lost birds. There's a good chance that you're looking to the left and they're coming from the right and you don't see the birds till it's too late. With that you lose a lot of birds when you're solo because if they fall into the marsh it's really hard to find them with one set of eyes. You get a good mark on them but it's not the same as having two or three people looking for birds. And then the problem solving aspect. If you do everything your way, which is a good thing sometimes, what if it's not working? You don't you don't have someone to turn to. Yeah, you could text, hope they're awake at you know six in the morning or whenever sunrise is, and whenever you're trying to shoot birds. But it's not the same as having someone there and going, "Hey, man, what do you think if we move the decoys like this, or what if we call here? Should we turn the mojo off?" It's not the same as having multiple people there that you can take your experience and ideas and thoughts and knowledge together and work through the problem. So where to hunt? This is for puddle ducks, all right, um, specifically. But puddle ducks, almost anywhere there's water. So you're looking at lakes, streams, rivers, ponds, swamps, marshes, fields, anywhere there's water. Find water on the map, get permission. If it's not public land, get permission and scout it out. Take your binos. Burn rubber and find the ducks. Where there's food, there's usually ducks. The other thing is gonna come into play is is it somewhere you can hunt? If if they're on a smaller lake or even on a pond, is it too deep for you to wade out there? So you gotta figure out based off of what you own, what's in the area, can I safely hunt and retrieve these birds? If the pond is twelve feet deep in the middle, and it's not very big and you know most likely the birds are gonna drop in the middle of the 12 foot section, you can't hunt it without a boat or without a dog. Just don't do it. Or uh, scout it out, find the birds, and you'll probably be successful. So now I'm gonna talk about these this subject in depth on further podcasts, but there's really three ways, in my personal opinion, to hunt ducks. So you have the traditional way of setting up decoys, birds come, you're on the X, or you're, you're trafficking birds or even pass shooting them, right? And they fly towards your decoys or over your decoys and you shoot them on the approach when they're landing in the water, when they're taking off from the water, or when they're flying over and checking out your decoys. That's usually what most people think of when you do duck hunting. That's what you're going to do when you go on a guided hunt. That's just classic duck hunting, right? That's what majority of people do on their duck hunts. It's what I do majority of the time. Now that's going to include decoying birds where they're purposely coming towards your spread, and you set up there because you know they would land in your spread. And there's also the pass shooting aspect, where you know, hey, they don't necessarily land here, but I know they fly low and they fly in a shootable area, and as they pass by, you shoot them, and that's pass shooting, right? The next one's jump shooting, and there's a few ways you can do this. So this can be driving from pond to pond, and you pond hop, because you know, hey, let's sneak up on this pond, we'll probably flush a bird or two, and we'll shoot them basically like upland game. They'll take off from the water, we'll shoot the ducks, we'll retrieve the ducks. You can also do this in shallow rivers and creeks. Some people are against it, they're not sure why, I guess it's not duck hunting in quotes to them, but it's an effective way, it's a frustrating way, because a lot of times, especially on creeks and stuff, the ducks will flush 60, 70 yards, and you just can't get a good shot on them But it is an effective way to put ducks in the freezer, all right. And we'll talk about that with this following one as well. And that's going to be float shooting. So float shooting is pretty similar to pass or uh, to jump shooting, except you're in a canoe or a kayak, right? And basically, what you're going to do is you're going to either paddle around a lake and flush birds up and shoot them, or you're going to drift down a river, and as you come around those curves and around log jams and into shallow, or shallow water or deep loafing areas, you're gonna spook the birds up and you're gonna shoot them. Now this also could be combined with kind of decoying birds. So what people will often do, what I'm gonna do this weekend actually, is you'll take like four to eight, maybe a dozen decoys with you and if you flush birds too far out, 100 yards, 70 yards, whatever the case is and you just can't get a good clean shot on them, you pull over where, if you can, you hide in the bushes and you throw out your decoys and you know, wait around for an hour and hope the birds come back in pairs or as a group, they come towards the decoy, you shoot a couple of them. If not all of them are back, you wait a little longer. If you think hey that was the majority of them, pack it up and keep floating down the river. It's an effective way to cover water. And essentially what the difference between the pass or the jump shooting and the float shooting is versus the decoy shooting is when you're decoying birds, the birds are coming to you. When you're pass shooting, or sorry, when you're jump shooting or float shooting, you're going to the ducks. So that's the way to look at it. So in one episode, I'm going to go over decoying birds, and in another, I'm going to talk about the jump shooting and float shooting. So I know that was a lot of info. Um, nothing really super in depth, but it's kind of a good checklist for you and a good primer to get your brain thinking about: Hey, waterfowl hunting. Do I want to do this? Do I want to spend the money into it? How do I get into this? This episode should be pretty helpful for to you if, if that's something you're looking at getting into and how to go about it. Uh, if you're looking for more info, there's a ton on YouTube and other podcasts as well. So if you're looking for YouTube channels, I highly recommend Freelance Duck Hunting. I think he's based out of Kansas. And then there's also um, Outdoor Linnets. Highly recommend his YouTube channel. And then I think High Prairie Sportsman is the other one I watch. So they're pretty much the three duck channels I watch. And if you're looking to get a more in-depth podcast on duck hunting, I highly recommend HP Outdoors' Waterfowl podcast. And I would recommend actually starting with episode one and working your way up until you feel comfortable. Um, That'll really help you bridge the gap. And then also listening to my podcast, and I will be covering the gap further, um, especially when I start talking to people about it and going over my experiences. So uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I think it should show you how to comment or contact me if you have a question or concern. If you disagree with me or if you agree with me, let me know. That would be great, and have a great day.